Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Fightful fam, and welcome to the sophomore episode of One Two Punch. Player one, Shaquille Madjuri. Player two, Aaron, the brain Bronstetter of Tiesa. And how are you, sir? I'm good, man. Thank you. I, I, Bobby the Brain Heenan's uh, estate might be getting in touch with you, just, just saying. Yeah, well, let's hope not. I did it in honor <laughs> of him. Uh, the, the, okay, well, there you go. Yeah, I, I'm always debating which way to go with these nicknames, but I, f- I felt like the brain was suitable. Uh, okay, smart fair man. enough. And speaking of smarts, dude, uh, you, you and TSN just put out a new feature on Hakeem Dawadu out of his fight at UFC 253. That thing is brilliant. Uh, do you mind telling me how it got together? Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, probably over a year in the works. You know, I, I'm always looking for different uh, athletes uh, in the UFC that are Canadian, obviously, to, to showcase and tell their story. And uh, Chuck Mindenhall, I believe it was, wrote a great story about Hakeem Dawadu. And I read, read it and I went to our, our team and said, we've got to tell the story. Like, we, we've got to tell the story visually. Because it's such a, uh, a strong story and such a, a great story of resilience and rising up from a bad situation to become uh, a, a high-level athlete like Hakeem Dawadu is. And uh, that's the gist of it, really. I mean, he's, he's, he came from a really, really bad, yeah. Um, yeah, really, really bad conditions and, and ended up becoming you know, a world-class Muay Thai practitioner and, of course, a UFC fighter. So uh, it's on SportsCenter tonight. We'll air throughout the night. And it's also on our website, tsm.ca. Uh, slash UFC if you want to go to that uh, part of our website and check it out. Or you can just go on social media, and I'm sure you'll find it there also. Lots of places to find it, Jack. There we go. And, yeah, Hakeem's got some great stories. I don't know if he's told you about the uh, parole officer that kind of helped set him on a new course, but that's that's a very cool story too. Now, uh, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is One Two Punch. What we do is we take the biggest news stories of the weeks, and we assign the biggest winners and losers doesn't necessarily mean who won a fight this week. It just means, you know, last week we had Conor McGregor's arrest as the big down. We had Michael Chandler signing as the big up. So we're going to talk about the winners, the losers, and then we're going to draw some uh, previews for UFC 253. And with that, I'm going to try and hit this animated intro. Bear with me. There we go. Uh, Please encourage you guys to interact with us on the chat. Still new to this, I will do my best to get to those. If you feel so inclined to help the channel grow, leave us a super chat. That will go a really long way, as well as a subscription. And a tap of that notification bell never hurts either. But enough of me trying to grow this channel. Let's do that the best way we can by getting to the content at hand. And Aaron, would you say that there is no bigger winner, not just this week, but perhaps in this whole COVID-19 era of the UFC, than Hamza Chimaev? Well, I mean, it's hard to deny him. Three wins, 87 to 1, I believe it is, in, in total strikes uh, when it comes to him versus his opponents. Uh, it's just 
pretty unbelievable what he's been able to do. And I've been, I guess, trying to make a case that he should be ranked in two divisions and people keep uh, poo-pooing that idea. But I, I stand by it. And uh, while it is a controversial take uh, for the most part, I can go into a lot of detail as to why I believe that he should be ranked. But uh, it looks like one of my reasons is kind of uh, a moot point now as Dana White says he's going to be headlining a UFC fight night uh, in Las Vegas against the ranked opponent. So my whole argument that he's not going to get any ranked guys to sign up to fight him uh, seems to be going by the wayside. Uh, that being said, I mean, I asked my co-host uh, on the TSN MMA show, Cheap Plug, Joe Valtellini, uh, this question. I, I'm, I'm going to pose it to you. I know this is your show, and I apologize for taking it over. No, it's our show, you th- man. You're the co-host today. <laughs> can you think of a single situation where a fighter has come into the UFC with this kind of momentum, three straight wins, really quick wins, really dominant wins, uh, and gone on to being a less than average fighter or, or not a ranked fighter or not a championship caliber fighter because I can't come up with anybody that has had this big of an impact this early in their career in the way that he has that has flamed out. And I, I don't know if anybody comes to mind, but I sh- certainly have trouble coming up with one. No, uh, I think you may be right. I, I think the um, separation that people need to make is that this isn't just a hype machine propagated by the UFC. This isn't a Sage Northcutt or Paige Van Zandt where Dana White has earmarked them for success based off their regional performances or their looks or their personality, anything of the sort. Hamza Chmaev came in with not a whole lot of fanfare to the mainstream audience, and it's through these first three performances that he's built this hype, and it's very deserved. I think people who like myself, were a little apprehensive about heaping too much praise upon him prior to the Mearshart fight. It's not because we were doubting him. It's just a matter of, you know, there are levels to this game and you don't know where people are at until they have been tested. And thus far, he has passed all his tests with flying colors and he is definitely deserving of something, if not ranked, very close to ranked. Yeah, I I agree. And I can can tell you who I think he should be ranked ahead of in the middleweight division and who he should be ranked ahead of in the welterweight division. Well, I, I don't, well <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to cast him that way. And I certainly mean no disrespect, but Brad Tavares was, uh, the last time he won a fight in the UFC, Shemaev was 1-0 as a professional. Like, mm-hmm. he hasn't won a fight in a long time. And he's had tough opponents. He's had Israel Adesanya. He's had Edmund Shabazian. I get all that. Uh, but at the same time, like, when guys don't win for a certain amount of years, I just don't understand why they can continue mm-hmm. to occupy rankings. Um, and then you look at uh, what Shamaya has done. Uh, he hasn't beaten a ranked guy. I understand that. But I still think that, you know, not, not that I think. I've spoken to odds makers, and I say, how many people in the top 15 would Shamaya be favored against? And in the middleweight division, they said everybody except for, like, Yoel Romero, Costa, and um, the champion, Israel Desonia. Wow. And then in the welterweight division, everybody except for, like, Colby Covington. Like, basically the top guys, Burns, Covington, um, and... Uh, you know, like all, all the top guys uh, and Usman, of course. But, you know, and when you think of it that way and you think that that's the perception of him is that he can beat top 10 guys and that he'd be that big of a favorite against top 10 guys, you have to consider putting him in the rankings. I know that, again, he hasn't beaten a ranked guy. Uh, and then you look at welterweight. Robbie Lawler is still ranked. He's on like a losing skid. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's just a lot of examples of, of guys that are in the rankings that just haven't had a lot of success in recent years. And I think when it's been years without having that success, even though you have beaten guys in the past, People still need to consider that there are guys that are are up and coming, big prospects. And the biggest issue that I have with the people that do the rankings is that they, they never take into account upside or how people perform. They're, it's always like who they beat. 
well, people don't always look good against people that are of a really high caliber. Yeah. But when you go in there and you beat three UFC caliber fighters, and, you know, people can argue with me and say, Reese McKee's a lightweight, sure, fair. You can say John Phillips, you know, he hasn't had a lot of success in the UFC. But Gerald Mearshart is, you know, he has the most submissions in middleweight history. He's, he's a, a successful fighter in the UFC. For him to go out and do that after those last two performances within the span of 66 days, like, I just think that he's done enough to get that kind of attention and get that kind of, uh, that kind of ranking. Now, you raise an interesting point, and I know that your uh, stance on Twitter regarding Hamzat and the rankings gets a lot of flack. Would you say that your bigger issue is how the people who comprise the, compile the rankings assess it, or is it more a matter of the consequences of not being ranked? I think it's a bit of both, honestly. Okay. Like I. First, first of all, I hate the ranking system as a whole. I hate the idea of it. I think that it's a flawed premise. I think that the way they do it is flawed because there's conflict of interest. Um, and then that now they've made it less transparent. They've made it an even less transparent process. Uh, they've added more panelists, which is good because it's good to have more voices in the room. But at the same time, like I've always argued that if you want to do the rankings properly, you should do it based on like math. You should do it based on a numerical system like Fight Matrix does. Mm -hmm. Because there's always people that are going to have biases when they're doing these rankings. And uh, I admit that I would have biases if I did the rankings. You know, it's, it's nobody's perfect, right? Like everybody has, um, you know, different relationships with people in the sport. And as a journalist, sometimes you'll have a better relationship with someone than someone else. That's just how it goes. But I, I just think that uh, the system as a whole has a lot of flaws. And I think the reason why it was implemented is basically for television. Like it's, it's like the NCAA tournament, how people have the ranking beside their name. It just looks nice on TV. And, I, and it does. And it, like I, I commend the UFC for keeping mm -hmm. that in mind i just think that it's unfair to a lot of the fighters because it hurts them uh the rankings i think have hurt the fighters more than it's helped the fighters in a lot of cases and typically the number one guy is not facing the champion anyways you know they'll, they'll have to i think it was the number four and number five guy that fought for the bacon bantamweight title yeah. i mean like so what does the what do the rankings really mean other than just being you know like a like a show pony for the ufc Agreed. A uh, quick shout out to Joseph Boza, who always contributes to these streams. He says Chimaev took the opportunity that was presented through COVID, fought three times, and now he could be someone to watch for in 2021. I mean, he's someone to watch for now. If anything, he could be fighting for a title in 2021. So you're absolutely right mm -hmm. there. And uh, a quick disclaimer, if you see, because I see this happen all the time with my fellow colleagues. If you ever see us looking around, it seems like we're unattentive. If I'm picking up this headset and putting it to my ear... It's a one-man operation here, so keep that in <laughs> mind. But we're doing a great job anyway. And also, you, uh, you kind of alluded to I made the loser joke. When we're talking about winners and losers on this show, it's not meant to be a slight on any athlete. It's just like they go in there and they win or lose a fight. Who had a great week? Who didn't? Don't be so sensitive, guys. It's okay. Um, and I always forget to mention this off the top. We always have a drink of the week chosen by our guest. We're doing coffee this time. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, what is what is tea to you? Because Sean Ross Sapp told me he wanted tea, which I, I'm i not oh, a Oh, he's tea from drinker. the South. He, he, yeah, he showed up with some like, like nice sweetie. sugary icy, which I would have been yeah, completely tea. down for. Yeah, Sean, Sean's from the, from the South. So tea for them is sweet tea, which is basically like you take tea, you put it in a pitcher with ice and like a whole bag of sugar, and that's yeah. tea. Like, like a Snapple or something. It is delightful. Like I, yeah, I, love, I would love that. Nice I would have loved that. Day. I would have way preferred that to the hell that he put me through last week. Um, but did you drink like like yeah, uh, like Earl Grey? Yeah, it's like Earl like, Grey. I, well. I hate tea. <laughs> okay, well there you go. Well, you know, it's, next time next time get Sean to clarify. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's the, the tea is. Yeah, I told him it's the cross that I bear. <laughs> <It's> drinking <laughs> whatever my guest chooses. 
Um, now, are there any other winners that you wanted to highlight before we move on, unfortunately, to the loser's end of this conversation? Well, I've got to mention Mackenzie Dern. You know, Mackenzie Dern has basically shattered all of the different um, stigmas that she's had going into the UFC. The cutting weight looks like it's no longer an issue. She looks great. Um, in the last couple of fights she's gotten on the scale, made weight, no problem. Um, and then in that last fight, like, I mean, I don't know what Randa Marcos was thinking, but I mean, on the ground, Dern is not to be trifled with. And, uh, you know, she did lose to Amanda Hibosh, but you look at how good Hibosh is now. And, I mean, it's, it's quite clear that she's going to be a contender in this division. So I don't think that that – I think that loss looked worse at the time than it does now. But mm-hmm. I, I think that Dern still has a lot of upside in the UFC and that she does have the chance to uh, break into that championship mix sometime next year if she's able to win another fight or two. Well, and she's one of those uh... – fighters who personalities who has a lot going for them she has she brings in the jujitsu crowd um unfortunately as is the case with just about every female fighter she brings in some of the gross parts of the audience unfortunately um she's charismatic people love the way she fights people like to rag on her accent which you know some of these personally for her may not be uh things she wants focused on but the reality is it seems like just in every aspect whether it's her personality or her fighting things people like things people don't like people want to talk about her and that's something that she can parlay to a lot of success uh that was a tremendous i dude what really stood out to me was not the grappling because we know how good her grappling is like when i train jujitsu anytime we're talking about like breaking a grip on an arm bar we say okay if this is a is this is a thursday if you're in a fight just throw some hammer fists you don't have to. This doesn't have to be a strict grappling match in a in a combat situation. Those hammer fists that she was hurling at Randa Marcos to try and separate her grip for the armbar defense were mean. Though, like that girl can scrap. Mackenzie Dern can fight. Um, and that actually reminds me of something else we can add to the loser loser section. But I want to go to uh, Max El Kukui Holloway in the stream, who asks us, "Who's the front runner for Fighter of the Year?" What's the timeline for Fighter of the Year? Because the World <laughs> MMA Awards confuse me every time. Well, yeah, their, their uh, nomination pool was all over the place this yeah. year. Like, it felt like they were... Th- this sport moved so fast that, like, it felt like they were you know, drawing from, uh, you know, a, a pool from, like, the last two years. But uh, for the Fighter of the Year for this year, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who do you think... Who, who comes to mind? There just haven't been that many guys de- defending the title. I mean, obviously, they, I think there's been a lot less activity at the very yeah. top. Like, who's... Star- I mean, Gilbert Burns is probably in the mix, you'd have to think. If he wins, uh, without a doubt. He, yeah, I mean, even even if he doesn't yeah. win, I think that getting to where he is, he's he's looks really good. Gaethje, I mean, he, he beat Tony mm. Ferguson. We'll have to see how he does against Actually, Khabib. I, 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 I think, th- I think we right. still need to see a lot of fights before the end of the year yeah. before we can really decide on this. Yeah, I, I think you have to put an asterisk, like you said, just because there's so much time left in the year. But I would say if Gaethje wins, I think it's going to for sure be him. I just think oh, knocking off Khabib no is uh, a tremendous yeah. accomplishment in its own right. I think we can argue, we can, we can say almost undisputably at this point, uh, in terms of prospect of the year or rising star of the year, it's going to be Shemayev at this rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I, I don't see that. anybody else really that um, is in contention. I mean, but if Shemayev loses at some point this year, then... Yeah, again, again yeah. It's hard, a lot of, it's hard to say this right now yeah. in September when there's still three full months of MMA to come. Yeah. I'm and gonna, a lot can happen. Yeah. Okay, if you had to just take a shot in the dark and say... Who this time? Who, who by January would have been the fighter of the year? You can make up who's going to win fights from now till then. I'm going to say Justin Gaethje because I'm con. I'm as confident as I can be that he's going to beat Habib. I know that's not a 
Yeah, I'm not super confident on, on, in that one. I think it's going to be a great fight, but I'm not. I wouldn't be able to confidently say that anybody's going to be Habib. Um, it's going to be awesome though. Like that's like if, so if I had to it. choose one fight to watch by the end of, before yeah. the end of the year, it's like a slam dunk. Like there's not even a, a close second. But uh, yeah, I mean Dominic Reyes. I mean he's in the mix. I mean he mm-hmm. he almost beat John Jones. A lot of people thought he did beat that's John true. Jones, and if he ends up emerging as the champion this weekend, I, you can you can certainly put him into the mix. There's so many fights that I forget that that happened this year. You know what I mean? That's yeah. why I always struggle they, with there was questions a crowd like this. Fight. The, you know, Sean Ross Sapp was once describing it on uh, his podcast over on the Pro Wrestling End. He was explaining to Jimmy Van how happy he is to have me take over the workload on the MMA End. And the way he described it was, imagine WrestleMania every week. Just seven <laughs> hours of content that you have to get through every weekend. To which I would say, at least we don't have three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, an hour of NXT, an hour of AEW Dynamite. Plus a five-hour pay-per-view every month, but imagine being a national baseball writer—that <laughs> would be a grind. 162 games a year with 30 teams or whatever it is. I, I barely that's want to a, watch that's a hard baseball. Pass. Yeah, <laughs> same with me. One game is enough for me. Let's let's move on to unfortunately the losers this week. Um, and I actually want to start with something that came to mind off of your Mackenzie Dern comments. I'm sorry, but random Marcos may have made the single biggest mistake in a fight that I have ever seen, for sure, of 2020. Like, I, terrific fighter, veteran, super savvy, but I just don't understand why she would rush into Mackenzie Dern's guard, dry, first round, fresh. Like, what did you make of that situation? I just don't know. I Like, I, she said she wasn't going to do it leading up to the fight, and mm-hmm. she made a mistake. And uh, it's the first time she's ever lost two in a row. She's been win-loss, win-loss, yeah. win-loss, win-loss her whole career, except for that one draw with Rodriguez. The Roxanne Modafferi effect. That's been her entire yeah. second UFC stint. So this is her first losing streak. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what she was thinking. It's it's hard for me to even, like, assess it because it just it blows my mind that it happened in that fashion. It just seems like the one thing you wouldn't want to do was that, and she went and did that right off the shoot, out the shoot, right? But, I mean, it is what it is. You're in there, and... Your mind kind of takes over. Oh, yeah. You're in pilot. You're an autopilot, and stuff happens, right? Well, it's like the Ed Herman thing. Like uh, so many people were ragging on him for sort of wimping his way or acting his way through that uh, body shot that was mistaken for a low blow. And I'm just thinking to myself, it clearly hurt. Like <laughs> yeah. why? Why would you step back in there, compromise no, like that when you have time to recover? First off. The ref makes a mistake. This is to me, it's veteran savvy. Honestly, I like, agree. People can rip on the guy. I agree. But it, it, this is a symptom of of the system being win win money and show money and win money. Because what is he going to for seventy five thousand dollars on the line? He's going to go to the ref and be like, "Hey, are you sh- are you sure that was low, ref? Yeah. No, like, he took advantage of a situation that was a mistake. Like the the ref made a mistake and he capitalized, and that's fine. And that's what fight, the fight game is. You capitalize on mistakes. Just so happened to be it wasn't you know that it wasn't his opponent's mistake, and I'm sure that fight is going to get overturned as it should. But at the same time, like what else do you expect the guy to do? And like you said, he was hurt, and uh, you know he took the, the five minutes to recover because he was given five minutes to recover. So Agreed. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like this subsect. That's the thing. I always find like, how often do you go on a YouTube video that you liked? And leave a thumbs up or a comment. It's generally never, never, never. right? It's generally the the haters who are the most or the loudest portion of the fan base. So stuff like calling Dustin Poirier names for not taking the Tony fight for whatever <laughs> money it was. It's just like, come on, dude. I, an example that came to mind recently is Robbie Lawler, Carlos Condit. Like, look at the irreversible damage that did 
to both men's careers. Like, after that fight, they both took a steep downturn. Um, you can't expect people to go in there and put their life, not only their health, but their career trajectory on the line if they don't think it's worth what they're being compensated. I don't know. I don't know. I, I get frazzled by it. Um, and then the other loser, unfortunately, Tyron Woodley, rough Saturday for him, uh, put in a similar performance than he did against Kamar Usman and Gilbert Burns, which is not saying a whole lot. And Rokarib for his efforts. He says he's not going to retire. Uh, a lot of people are calling for him to retire. Where do you sort of sit on that? I don't think he should retire. I, th- I think that we need to see how he does against a guy who's a step down. I mean, if you lose to Usman, Burns, and Covington, the top three guys in the division, and you don't look good against them, yeah. most guys in the division wouldn't look good against them. That doesn't mean they should retire. Like, if you took a, if you took Jeff Neal and had him fight those guys, three guys in a row, Jeff Neal somebody who we all know is a big up-and-comer, and he lost to all three of those guys? Yeah. Like, are people going to be calling for him to retire? Like, let's see what Woodley can do against, like, a Neil Magny or somebody who's in the lower half of the, the top 15 before we write this guy off, because... The guy was a champion three fights ago. I mean, two fights ago. You know, uh, I guess it's three fights ago now. But he was the champion. He, he had beaten, all, like, all the contenders put in front of him. He had multiple title defenses. So, like, why are we why are we putting this guy out the pasture now? Like, the guy still, I think, has, has gas left in the tank. Um, it seems like he was in a really good place going into this fight. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think that it's a little bit too early to make that determination about Woodley. And I know he lost basically 15 rounds in a row, 14, and because that last round didn't come to completion, com, uh, to completion but basically he lost, that, he lost that round because he lost the fight in that round, in my, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's lost 15 rounds in a row, and uh, it's not a good look for him. And, but at the same time, again, he's fighting the absolute best guys in the division, and uh, I think you got to cut him some slack. Yeah, uh, so you mentioned someone like Neil Magny for him next. Two, there are two names that I kind of threw out there. Uh Michael Chiesa would be my preferred option of the two. Yeah, just that's a great option. Him, yeah, number eight gives him a very different look. Um, and then if you're trying to put over a young star, possibly at Woodley's expense, I would really like to see Vicente Luque get a big fight. But I'm yeah, just and I actually Luque and I Mark. think that Woodley would actually hang with Vicente yeah, Luque. I think, so like, I think that's a good matchup. And and even the aforementioned Jeff Neal. Mm-hmm. If you want to put someone over, throw throw Jeff Neal to him and see what happens. Right, like. I guess we, we'll find out. And I, and, I mean, if you want to bring Ponzinibbio's name back into the mix, you, maybe you throw him against Ponzinibbio. Like, there are, a lot, there are a lot of good options that lower half of the top 15 that I think Woodley would fare well against. And if he doesn't fare well against them, then fare well. <laughs> that was really good, Shaq, I got to say. I appreciate it, man. That's Listen, I, I can, uh, I, I'm ready to be a father strictly off of my terrible dad <laughs> jokes. I don't think I have any other qualities. But that one was organic. It. it just kind of came. It flowed. Yeah. No, That's well, what happens. The, the more kids you have, now that I have three kids, the more dad joke juice I have. I can. So I, they, I, just, they just come out organically. Dude, I can barely manage my workload with a smart puppy. I don't know how I would manage three children. <laughs> well, well t- try not to find out anytime soon. That's my yeah. It, actually, that's one of the <laughs> the beauties of like when my girlfriend and I were picking out a puppy. She basically ended up getting everything I told her not to get: hyper smart sheds. Oh uh, yeah, that's like the that's like me. That's the three things that I I don't want. To yeah, talk. and the only upside, aside from the fact that like you know it's rewarding when you see them learning stuff, is uh, it's I feel like it's tapered my girlfriend's expectations for children anytime soon. She's like, I never want to have this burden. I never want to have this commitment again. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and having a puppy is like only like six months. Yeah, where they're like where they're like a horror. 
yeah. and then like they then then they calm down but for like children it's like a long time <laughs> <laughs> my son's like my son's nine now and now he's like pretty much like pretty independent and is as good as like a, a pleasure to have around but the other kids you know they're they're young and they do my my like my son was uh my uh five four-year-old son my wife was like you shouldn't do that it's dangerous and then like he kept doing it and fell on his face today oh, so wow. like you yeah. know even at four years four years like you still have to deal with this kind of thing yeah well i wish you luck <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I will see you there too. one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to touch on this so briefly because I just don't have the energy to. But, man, uh, ra- I, don't, I don't know what I want to call it, but I guess just, like, de- human decency took a major loss today. I put out that video with Rodney James Edgar. I know people did not like it, including some people in this chat right now. Um, but I also know that the people who commented on and thumbed it down did not watch the interview before forming an opinion. And that's okay. I'm not here to tell anyone where they should lean politically, only to say that I think Colby Covington passed the line. And he's passed the line before. Listen, I love parts of Colby Covington's gimmick. I lo- I can't tell you how much I love that he tweets movie spoilers and pins it to the top of his <laughs> profile. Like, that is, that is chef's kiss funny. Um... But he definitely went from, you know, like, mega hat, Trump-loving Kobe, to strictly racist Kobe. He did it with the Brazilians back in the day, calling them filthy animals. He did it by calling Tyron Woodley a domestic terrorist sympathizer. And Dana White kind of brushed it off. I don't want to silence fighters, but I think there should be a line, and that's kind of all I'm going to say on it. I didn't even think that one was as bad as what he said to Usman about the, tribe. the head of his tribe yeah. with a smoke People signal. think there that are tribes where... in Nigeria. Yes, they are. There are. But that doesn't mean Kamaru's from one. <laughs> well, yeah. But I, I just I, – I, I think that kind of crosses the line. I mean, when you insult somebody based on their ethnicity and where they're exactly. from, what does that mean? You know, I mean, you can call it what you want, but that's kind of what racism is, right? So yeah. uh, I, this is the thing that I said about Colby on the podcast this week. It's like he's kind of Frankenstein. You know, like Dan Lambert and a lot of the guys at ATT, Stevie Richards, a former pro wrestler, was was his strength and conditioning coach. Oh, really? They kind of built, yeah, yeah. They kind of built this character and they got him to embrace kind of being a wrestling heel. Um, And he did that. But then eventually, like, they built Frankenstein. It got got out of control and uh, they had to kick Frankenstein out of the lab. I mean, he, he was insulting people that were part of the team. And eventually, Dan Lambert had to have an uncomfortable conversation to tell him that he's no longer welcome there. But Dan Lambert is part of who built Colby Covington yeah. into what he is. So, yeah, like that's the best comparison I can make is like he has become that gimmick to such a degree where there's no going back. If he if he were to come out, let's say he won the championship and said, now that I have the spotlight, now that I'm the champion, all of this stuff was just to get attention. And, you know, I'm sorry. I don't know if people would be that forgiving. At this, at this stage, I think there was a time where he could have done that if that, if that was going to be the case. But I think he's doubled down to a point where he's now met the president. He's now become friends with mm-hmm. the president and the president's kids. Like, I understand why he's embraced this more and more. Because it's gotten in places where most people on this earth would never imagine being able to go. 
to to and and I have spoken to Colby, you know, off the you know, off the record or whatever, um, just behind the scenes, and he does believe in a lot of the stuff that he says. Like he he is um, a really strong supporter of like you know the police, the troops, and and all of that, and he you know he 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 really does hold a strong value to that. That being said, I think that if you say that one side is, is Black Lives Matter and one side is the troops and the officers, you're not really seeing the entire canvas yeah. of what's going on in America. But I mean, again, I, I think that it's just kind of spiraled out of control to a point where there's kind of no going back now. And, you know, the other issue is the UFC doesn't really have a real code of conduct. I've asked for, I've asked to see the code of conduct. I don't believe it exists. <laughs> when I see it, I, I will report to everybody that it does in fact exist. I've asked people if it exists and they say yes. But... A code of conduct is usually made public. Yeah. And for whatever reason, this one is, and there seemed to be no real code of conduct meeting. So until I see a code of conduct, I'm going to act under the assumption that there is, in fact, no code of conduct. Um, so it's, it's hard to really know what the UFC can do under these circumstances. And Dana White says, I'm not here to muzzle anybody. If somebody, you know, Tyron Woodley went out and did a press conference and said, answered every question by saying Black Lives Matter. And the UFC didn't have an issue with that, even though his role is to promote a fight during that week. You know, the, the athletes can do what they want as long as they fulfill their obligations according to the UFC and a lot of people um, think that it's hypocritical but at the same time if you're going to allow people to say things on the other side of the table and I think that there are a lot of people that disagree with whatever you want to call the left or whatever uh, viewpoints then you know I guess you, you do have to take that for what it's worth but I do think that there is a line and that that line was crossed over the weekend Yeah, and guys for those listening who disagree, who 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 have, if you haven't clicked off yet, it's okay to be exposed to ideas that you don't agree with. It doesn't mean it, it's not an attack on your character. In fact, it's a really good thing to take in perspectives that don't align with yours. If you have a retort, let us know in the comment section. I'm and always hey, happy if you to support, discuss. If you support the troops, Rodney Rodney James, James Edgar, Edgar was yes. a member of the troops. In fact, he's still. Wasn't. I think he's technically still. He's active. still an active member. He's yeah. still an active member of. So that's a um, thing, right? Yeah, of the U.S. military. So I mean. You know, support the troops, support Rodney James Edgar and his right to his First Amendment right to ask the questions that he wants to ask. Yeah. And uh, Brian Morey chimed in, said Colby shouldn't have to rely on shock value. I'm not a big fan, but he's good enough to not need that gimmick. Well, Colby did say that uh, there was a time where he was basically on the chopping block because the UFC didn't like his personality or his style. And that's when he started crafting this. And that's the thing. There are elements of this that are so good. I don't think he needs to double down on the lowest common denominator of his gimmicks like he's popular enough at this point that i don't think he needs to can't uh he doesn't need to cater to that really 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 loud racist crowd he can he can be a trump supporter i don't mind he can run up on dana white in a casino with a video camera out like that's that is gripping content that is, I'm sure Dana didn't like it, but that's really interesting footage. His run-ins at the buffet with Ali Abdelaziz and Kamar Usman. Again, those are all, that's like the sort of pro wrestling drama that people love to see. I think he's creative enough and smart enough to do a better job of picking and choosing when to put this stuff out. Because he has done a lot of really clever stuff. That, like, spoiling Star Wars and pinning it is the pinnacle. That is so funny. Hey, he, did it with the, he did it with the Marvel movie. He did the it with the Marvel well. movies too. Yeah. Like that's the thing. That that's why I struggle because I feel like I really want to like and support Colby Covington, but for me, it, there's a certain line where you just have to, uh, y- you can't compromise on your principles or your morals for it. 
Um, but, you know, that's where we are on but that. But, hey, it's getting him the attention, right? I mean, the whole premise of it is that people talk about him, and he was on SportsCenter talking about LeBron James, and, like, you know, he was on the phone with the president. I mean, like, he went from being somebody that nobody really talked about to being what he is now. It's so, I mean, ultimately what he's doing has worked. worked for him. And it has also – what I appreciate is um, how media has used this as an opportunity to ask, like, black fighters questions about how you feel about it and help sort of – bring those voices up too because Colby's is so loud and so visible right now. But anyways, that's, that's, that's much more political talk than I plan on getting into on this episode. Thank you guys for working through it with me. And let's move on to the UFC 253 preview as we begin to wrap up. Uh, I don't want to do fight predictions. I feel like there's enough of that content out there. So let's talk about some of the biggest potential storylines heading into and out of UFC 253. What happens if Israel Adesanya loses? He just signed with Puma. He's a major star. He's doing big, big traffic. Um, wh- wh- how much of a stock does his profile take if he loses handedly? Yeah, I mean, if he loses really badly and it's not good enough to earn him an immediate rematch, that's a problem. I, I mean, this is the thing about MMA, and and, I've, and Sean O'Malley has said this to me before. You know, Sean O'Malley's gotten a lot of attention uh, for all of the different things he does you know, outside of the octagon. He says, the only way to grow my brand to where I want it to be is by winning. And, you know, Conor McGregor would, have, would never have gotten to be where he is if he didn't win fights. All of these guys, um, the value of winning a fight and, and staying, especially staying undefeated, is so huge for um, his marketability, for how popular he is, for everything. Without winning, you can't get to the, that next level. And, and, I mean, he was on the cover of the UFC game. Mm-hmm. But look at Masvidal. Like, Masvidal was on the cover of the UFC game, too. His stock right now is not where it was. He took a fight on short notice. It was a risky fight. And he says, you know, the one fight that he wants is the, the rematch with, Ma, with uh, Usman. He wants to prove that he was better than that. He wants a full camp. I get it. But his stock is not where it was at that time. Um, it's still high, I think. I still think that he's, he is a needle mover. But without winning, without con- consistently winning, your stock will not grow. Um, and you can say the same about Costa. Like, Costa can become a giant star. If he wins, I actually think there's more on the line for him than there is for Israel mm. because Israel already kind of has the Puma sponsorship. He already has, he's already on the cover of UFC 4. He already is, a, has become a big star and he did it really quickly. But if Paulo Costa wins, I mean, this is a good looking guy. This is a guy whose English has gotten really good um, and a guy whose fighting style is conducive to people watching him, just like Israel's is. But Israel had a rough go in the last fight too against Romero. You know, I mentioned to Dana White that I thought his stock was down a little bit after that fight. Mm. Dana didn't agree with me, but Dana didn't like that fight. Yeah. You know, he was upset about that fight after the, the, the fact, and a lot of people were. So, you know, he could have raised his stock even higher, but he didn't. Yeah. So th- I think that this is just such an important fight for both these guys um, and, and their star their star power and star potential. Yeah, there's I don't quite know. There's There's a point that he's starting to approach in terms of breaking into the mainstream. Like, I have friends of friends who don't frequently watch fights and say, hey, boys, I want to get together this week. Adesanya's fighting. So he's close. If he goes out there and puts a great, great performance against Costa, he was on Hot Ones recently with Sean Evans. Shout out to Sean. Because um, there is Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey territory where you break into the mainstream and you can parlay that into stuff. You know, even if Conor loses, even if Conor never wins another fight again, he is a fixture of MMA. He is synonymous with the sport and the mainstream. So you you can only hope uh, Adesanya gets there before he loses for his own value. Uh, a quick shout out to Caleb who says, I think Colby beats everyone and Usman 51 out of 100 times. 
Oh, and wow, this is so great. Thank you to Paddleron6, just donated five bucks, our first ever super chat. Hey, there you go, man. I appreciate that very much. Um, Costa, really quickly, because you mentioned it. I am not a particularly insecure person. You know, I've got something. I always tell people, it's like, don't compare yourself to others. Others have things that they're great at. You have things that you're better at. Work with what you got. There is something about how handsome built and dangerous that paulo costa is that makes me feel inferior in inferior as a man like what a triple threat that dude is it's kind of insane both these guys are kind of like superheroes right yeah. like that that's kind of the other cool thing that nobody really talks about with this fight is like you've got like the kind of long lanky creative guy that does all kinds of cool stuff and he's very charismatic very he can talk he, he's good at, he's amazing at dancing like he's got all of these these different assets and attributes that he has and then you got this guy that is like a superhero he's like a he's a superhero and a super villain uh you know he's 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 built up he's got you know he's he's an attractive guy he's he's somebody that uh moves forward with reckless abandon he's somebody who's who's um you know gotten really good at, at again communicating in the second language like both of these guys are essentially superheroes you know it, it that's kind of the cool thing about this fight is like when you look at like video game characters, like from Mortal Kombat, like both these guys could be like Mortal Kombat characters. That's kind of the cool, the other really cool <laughs> thing about this. Like you don't see a lot of uh, championship fights where you have two people that kind of have those assets. <laughs> I'm sorry, I I, uh, <laughs> I got caught off guard a little bit in the chat there. Max Elkakui Holloway writes, "Hey Shaq, how many times have you been compa- uh, have you been compared to Yair Rodriguez?" I get Yair Rodriguez a lot. I get Henan Barrow quite a bit, and I get Henan Barrow. Yeah, that's I can see that. Yeah, and I get Pete Davidson, which I'm totally cool I can with see that because too, he yeah. almost married Ariana Grande. So yeah, fine there with me. Maybe, maybe there's hope for you yet. <laughs> Not if my girlfriend has anything to say about it. Um, maybe she won't. Maybe she'll be like, "Well, I kind of lost this one. Ariana Grande is interested in Shaq." Oh uh, no, 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 no. Ali's the best. Um, very quickly, because I, you know, I want to get you out here soon. You got a spot to do on TSN Radio. Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blahovich. Clearly, right now, Reyes is sort of the A side of that. Let's say Jan Blahovich wins. Let's do a little creative matchmaking. How do you elevate Jan as a UFC star? Well, I mean, what do you want to advance? Yeah. yeah, I mean, the one advantage is that he has that he's Polish, but I, I don't think you need to build him into a star. I think you just give him the next best contender. Like, whoever's next in line, you give him, like, the winner of whatever Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira, and you see what happens. I mean, like, what, like, I guess my question is, what is his most star quality characteristic? Like, if you were to try and elevate him in a WWE setting, what would you lean on? Yeah, it's the Polish power. Yeah, he does have the Polish, go with the Polish power. power. Yeah, he's got the Polish power. Yeah, and uh, he also has that weird story about how he kisses a noose before he, he fights. <laughs> what a weird story! I mean, I've never heard that superstition before. You know, in the Attitude Era, he'd be like walking out with a noose around his neck, and it'd be terrible. I know about around the yeah, neck. It'd be yeah, it'd be super like tasteless. It, yeah. yeah, well, but, know, but there's era. already the Hangman in the UFC. We've already got Dan Hooker, right? Yeah. So gimmicks kind of taken. Gimmicks kind of taken. Maybe they can fight over it one day. Yeah, um, so I don't know about that. Yeah, open weight pride rules. Diego Sanchez, uh, heading into his last fight, still had aspirations to be UFC champion. He has since shied away from those. He says he's kind of found closure in the fact that he won't fight for a title, but he wants to fight out, finish out these fights and his career against Conor McGregor. That's also 
that might be a bigger stretch than a world title fight. It, oh, and absolutely. But how do you I mean, feel like, about the fact that Diego finally seems ready to wrap up his career? I mean, it's it's probably about time. The weird the weirdest thing about this card, I, I always point this out. The last Ultimate Fighter season, the winner is Juan Espino, who's competing yes. on this card, and Diego Sanchez won the first Ultimate Fighter. And Espino is older than Diego Sanchez. Like, that's the weirdest stat ever. That's isn't incredible. That, isn't that Where do you get these stats from? Are you just like I just noticed. This? I just noticed stuff. It's... I do all the stats myself. I don't have a stats guy. Yeah, Any no. stat you see me put out there is me. It's, I think about it. I look at it. I look into it. And I, I find a lot of stats that are not interesting, and I don't put those out. Yeah. You got but there are a lot. Whenever I, whenever I find one that is interesting, I'll, I'll put that out. But, uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, Diego, you can still make some fun fights with Diego. And uh, one stat that I put out was Diego's been an underdog in 12 of his last 13 fights, and it's 6-6 six and six in those fights. So if you put money on Diego Sanchez every fight, you'd be, like, up a good amount of money. Yeah. But uh, this one I might be a little bit of a bridge too far. I mean, Jake Matthews is a good fighter. I don't know if Jake Matthews is, like, a minus 600 good fighter uh, against Diego Sanchez. But uh, Those are some yeah, good odds, I, yeah. Yeah, I think we'll see. I mean, you can't write Diego Sanchez off because whenever people do that, as when he's an underdog, it's like it's, he always ends up winning, right? So uh let's see what happens but uh yeah the the, the chances of diego fi- sanchez fighting for a title are better than him fighting conor mcgregor now last thing on ufc 253 and then we'll begin to wrap up now i, I know you're going to be a little bit biased here as am i because we got hakeem Dawadu just did a feature on him he's canadian um what do you think about the quality of the main card and outside of the main and co-main because i'm looking at it no disrespect to the fighters, but from a casual point of view, you might not be able to name anyone outside of the main and co-main. Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst one of the year, but it in terms of pay-per-view main cards, but it's it's not great. I mean, I, I think that it could be better. But here's the thing. Like, when you're buying that pay-per-view, you're buying it for the top two fights. Yeah. And I think you can make that case really for any pay-per-view. The problem is the, the thing that the UFC always used to pride itself on was that it's like not like boxing, where like people just tune into the main, main event, sometimes yeah. co-main event, and not the rest of the card. Um, and I still think, still think the UFC has that going for it. But if you really want to keep that mantra, you should probably stack your main card. That being said, right now they're in an era where not every fighter is able to go. Like of a lot of a lot of fighters are are you know they want to fight under the absolute best circumstances. Like Michael Chiesa came out. I remember when all this started and said like, "Hey, listen, I don't have the optimal circumstance or the optimal uh, environment for for training, so I'm not going to fight." And I think that that's fair. But yeah. there are probably a lot of other fighters that are doing that and. You know they, they can only have so many fights at a time. There's, they were they were still playing catch up with their schedule for the, uh, the three or four weeks or whatever it was that they lost in between, um, and they still are. I mean, it looks like there's going to be a card every week until the end of the year. Bro, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I think yeah, the worst time and, to take got, a full time position. <laughs> yeah, and you've got uh, contenders here coming back in November to boast. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I love it. I, I honestly, I I don't. I don't want a Saturday off. I like. I look forward to nothing wow. more than like my than watching the event on Saturday night. That's Honestly, beautiful. like, I love fight week. I love. I mean, every week is fight week, but I love like the flow of fight week and. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Like it's. I mean, hey, listen, I've got three kids and and I'm married, so like my Saturday nights aren't the same as like a Saturday night of somebody who's in university or somebody who's single or whatever. Twenty five years uh, old, still trying to live yeah, my life. Exactly. Well, I had my first. No, I got married at twenty five. I didn't have my first kid at twenty five. But uh, yeah, so I mean, like. My Saturday night is like, that's the thing I look forward to. Yeah, like the that fact sense. that I do this for a living, like I will never complain about it. Like people complain about it and say, oh, it's too much and we don't get time off and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I just love it. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I find for me, I'm going to get there because I, I, I pride myself very hard on like my work ethic to have a work-life balance. Like I, I, I've zeroed in on my formula. Uh, for me, I think 
once I get a little bit, once my friends start kind of moving forward with their lives a little bit more, it'll be easier for me because, like you said, you got the family. Your Saturdays are, in a sense, kind of your night off from those responsibilities. Uh, whereas for me, my girlfriend and I have been together for approaching seven years. Both have full time jobs, and so we are in that live together and so we're in that structure more than a lot of my friends are who are just now getting jobs just graduated from you know four to eight year programs and so yeah i I look forward to retreating into fight week more as i get older last thing before i let you go and i am springing this on you i should have given you a heads up but i like i like having stuff yes for for those of you who have thank you joseph max kayla brian everyone who's stuck with us through the show you will now be rewarded because I'm going to flip a coin and the loser has to tell an embar- preferably embarrassing story, preferably, preferably related to their time in the industry. Um, it can be in your personal life, too. It doesn't have to be embarrassing. It can be interesting. But, you know, let's let's give these folks a show. And I've got to think of a good one here, but okay. I know. I will, I will let you call it. Would you like heads or tails? Uh, I'll, I'll call heads. All right. Ah... <laughs> All right. Oh, well, now I don't need to think of a good one. Now okay. you don't need Go. to think of a good one. You're on the clock. <laughs> Two weeks in a row this has happened to me. Uh, last time, you were actually there. I don't know if you remember this. Last week I told them about my first ever scrum was at UFC Ottawa. That's the first time you and I met. Um, and how I asked Derek Brunson about his cheerleading background at the scrum. And everyone, he gave me this look as if he didn't know what I was talking about. And everyone in media was like, who is this dumb kid who just messed up? Uh, but it turns out he does have a cheerleading background. Anywho. This week's story, uh, UFC... Everyone else is dumb. Everyone else is dumb, thank you. Uh, UFC 241, I was interviewing Yoel Romero, and uh, I was the first one to get to him on Media Day. And I had a microphone, but I didn't have a foam for it, right? To like kind of, uh, for those of you unaware, it just kind of helps cut yeah, through some up, of the yeah. pops and stuff. Um, so I took a different microphone foam that didn't fit to like hang loosely over it. And I hand him the microphone, and he just kind of tilts it over. It falls off. <laughs> he picks it up, and he starts making fun of me. He's like, what, what is this? What is this rookie, cheap <laughs> mic setup? And I look over to him, and I say, uh, you might remember he won a huge lawsuit over a supplement situation, and it was, it was, it was yep. worth millions. Um, and so I, I looked at him, and I said, hey, well, I'm not the one who just won millions in a lawsuit, so if you want to help out your boy, I'd appreciate it. And he looks at me with those intense Yoel Romero eyes, and he goes, <laughs> I pissed my pants. I, I crapped them, <laughs> I soiled them, whatever you want to call it. I have never feared for my life more than when Yoel Romero didn't think I was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That's pretty bad. That was bad. I, yeah, I died. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it's not my most embarrassing, but it's probably the single most scariest moment of my life. Yeah, that's pretty bad. There we go. I had a, a fun one with Romero where I asked him a question. He answered it. It was like an eight-minute answer to one question. I put that out there. That was after the uh, after the Izzy fight. That's me with every every question I ever asked Vitor Belfort. Now, to be fair, he gives me terrific answers every time. Um, but there's just those guys. Better than the ones who don't talk at all, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved it because he had the translator, too. So I was, like, holding the mic, and then I had to go over to the translator, back to him, back to the translator, back to him. It was, like, eight minutes. My arm hurt afterwards. I love it. I love it. Uh, Guys, that is all the time we have for today. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to the sophomore episode of One Two Punch, for engaging engaging with us on the chat, for donating to the Super Chat. A reminder, 
go check out the TSN fo- uh, feature on Hakeem Dawadu. Aaron Bronsetter put that together along with some of the other fine folks over at TSN. Um, as always, if you could please hit the subscribe button, tap the notification bell, and leave a like on this video. It goes such a long way to helping the channel grow. And uh, I always forget my really dumb outro, but stay tuned for everything Fightful and oh so delightful. <laughs> Absolutely garbage. But, yeah. Not great. Fightful.com Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money and-